Hello, and welcome to the Vote Her podcast, because when you vote, good things can happen. Hi, I am Mara Davis, and I am sitting here eating a cookie, and I'm really happy about it. And I am Jen Jordan, and I am the proud constituent of not one, but two Democratic United States Senators. It's Blue Georgia, Jen. Listen, you've said it. When you vote, good things happen. You're wearing a blue sweater? I've decided that maybe (laughs) I'm going to wear blue every day, at least for the next six months. At my house, we have a red door because I live in a cedar house and the red door looks so cool. And I said to my husband on election night, maybe we should paint our door blue. I would, I think, I, I think that that is the appropriate way to honor uh, the win. So there's there's a lot to, as as with every week. There's a lot to talk about. There's good news. There's bad news. There's moving forward news. Let's start with the good. Where we began, we now have two brand new senators: Senator Warnock, Senator Ossoff. Did you expect it to be this clear cut? No. I mean, you know, we've talked about this before where having been a Democrat in this state for the last 20 years and and having lived through literally being walking and wandering in the wilderness and never winning an election, this was like winning the lottery. When they started posting the results, and by the way, I was proud of myself because I self-edited of to not bother you all day, <laughs> which was just, I think I could only hold out till about 8.30 or 9 o'clock. But by then, it was like, we were really getting results in. For those of y'all that don't know, everybody was comparing what happened on November 3rd versus what just happened on January 5th in terms of how quickly the results came in. But the deal is that was a result of a rule change by the state election board. For November 3rd, counties could start processing absentee ballots beforehand, but they didn't have to. And so the state election board passed a rule uh, for the runoff that said you have to start processing before election day. And that's why we saw the returns come in so quickly. It was truly unbelievable. For a minute there, it seems like it may not be possible because they they got in the numbers from Cherokee County and Forsyth County. Yeah, those hurt. But then all of a sudden when they kept saying, oh, we're waiting for DeKalb, that's when it was really it. And I kept following Dave Wasserman on Twitter. And when they kept calling it, I'm still in a weird way in a state of shock. It was just so beautiful and so exciting, especially with what we've had to live through the past couple of weeks. Look, I think the fact that there is clarity because obviously um, Warnock did this initially, but Ossoff has already cleared the differential. So he avoids a recount or the ability for for Purdue to ask for a recount. So we're going to have some finality. And I think Man, we need it. Well, think about what happened in the couple of days right before the election on Tuesday. You had that damning tape with Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger and the president. It was absolutely jaw-dropping. By the way, I was really excited that I scooped you. and I was the one that texted you, and I'm like, (laughs) what did I say? Did you leak this to the Washington Post? (laughs) No, (laughs) 
Look, it was, I mean, what's interesting for me is, is sometimes I look through a political lens and sometimes I look for through a legal lens. And for me, that was really looking at things from a legal lens. And it was just unprecedented um, that there was this call. It was unprecedented. These lawyers were participating in it. And look, I, you know, if I had my druthers, Donald Trump would be investigated and, and probably charged with violations of state law. Well, you did submit a letter to the attorney, attorney general, Chris Carr, uh, because you are calling for an investigation of that. Did that go anywhere? What's the latest on that? Well, the letter went somewhere. The letter went straight to him. <laughs> but I can tell you I haven't heard back. I, I read, I didn't ask you, I read it was hand-delivered. It was hand-delivered. By, by, by... But- but not by me. Okay. So what do you get, a courier? No. So what's interesting, and it, when we are out of pandemic times, okay. you've got to come up to the Capitol and kind of see where everything is and how it's situated. But my office is literally right by the AG's office. Oh, I see. So you just walked it literally, down. Literally, I tell my assistant, I'm like, here, can you go walk this down? Yeah, there wasn't anything special about it. It was just me wanting to save money on postage. I had a vision of like there was some like courier or like it went on like a bike messenger and it went through a lot. No, that would be amazing. (laughs) But no, that's that's that. Okay. well, I was really glad that you wrote that because I felt the same way. I felt it should be investigated. And that call was just so, so shocking. Do you think that really had any impact on people, the way people voted on Tuesday? I think it did. I mean, I don't think it was huge, right? Mm-hmm. But I do think it was probably around the margins. I heard some Republicans say, you know what? That's it. We, we've just got to, we've got to get, we've got to just throw all the Trump people out, anybody associated with them, because we're not going to move forward in this country. We can't act like this. What truly shocked me was Gabriel Sterling, who works in the Secretary of State's office, endorsing Leffler and Purdue the day of the election. I found that very troubling, not only with all the harassment and foolery that's gone down over the past couple of weeks, but to publicly announce a candidate or a party. And especially after they basically burned your house down, this shocked me. Look, there have always been major issues around the fact that, you know, we elect a secretary of state and it's a partisan position and then you have partisans working in that office um it was a huge deal right when brian kemp refused to step aside as secretary of state and basically got to run his own election um and as we see secretary of states are really important in terms of calling balls and strikes when it comes to elections so that's something that is always a bit concerning And I think it was something that Gabe didn't have to do. He did not. I didn't understand it. But now here we are and we have the results. And um, but to be quite frank, he's gotten so much love from the anti-Trumpers that that may have actually hurt Leffler and Purdue. It could have. I don't understand. I don't understand it. I, that's why. With it's all- almost like the kiss that the mafia boss gives. <laughs> <laughs> 
as we've heard from that call, uh, it did sound like a mafia call. And I noticed that the lawyers who were on the Trump team, they've all like mysteriously resigned. And the law firms, I mean, I think if you're a law firm and, you know, that woman, I can't remember her name right now, who, you know, Cleta Mitchell. Yeah, she just magically uh, disappeared. So now let's, so Leffler and Purdue, I mean, they really doubled, they tripled down. And as uh, our friend Brian Robinson gave some great quotes in The New Yorker, our other friend, all of our big fancy friends, Charles Bethay wrote in The New Yorker and Brian commented about how when she said she wasn't going to certify the election results, that a lot of women, he said, probably said, I'm going to go to the elementary school and go vote against her. Or another way of putting it, why is that going to compel you to go out and vote for her, right? You're not going to be like, hot damn, she's, <laughs> she's going to go up there and, you know, she's not going to certify the vote. I wasn't going to vote, but now, now I am. Y- y- no, I mean. So now let's get to, I, I, the, I don't want to spend too much time on this because it's so hard, but. Obviously, what happened on the vote certification day in Washington, D.C., that was like watching a 9-11 for me. That is the same kind of feeling that went through my soul uh, watching those images uh, the day after we were so excited about uh, Reverend Warnock and and, uh, John Ossoff's win. Yeah, look, unprecedented in the history of our country. And also, in light of everything we've been dealing with in terms of how Black protesters are treated and people of color are treated when they protest in juxtaposing the video we've seen of that and the pictures we've seen of that with this throng of mostly just white men basically being just allowed into the Capitol. It was stunning. It really was. I found it to be so just from the beginning to the end of it, the way that it was just okay for the president to give this speech, for all of the cronies to give these speeches, the way they were pushing into the Capitol building, and even the idea that people were protesting they were going to cancel the election results. Senator Leffler was about to get up there and not certify the election results. This is shameful and disgusting. And when she got up there later in that evening saying, oh, I'll play a clip of it. Mr. President, when I arrived in Washington this morning, I fully intended to object to the certification of the electoral votes. However, the events that have transpired today have forced me to reconsider, and I cannot now in good conscience object to the certification of these electors. Now, there she was with that horrible barrette she burned her country clothes because you know she's not going to be wearing those uh, vests and jeans and like beat up boots like she just rode a horse earlier. You uh, saying, oh, the events of today just shocked and horrified me. Has she been not paying attention? Sorry, it just it makes me so upset to think that people suddenly just woke up after they saw what happened at the Capitol. Yeah, the language that's been used the things that elected officials, people who represent people, who people look up to and who have authority, right? People who have given the imprimatur of of the state of Georgia even, okaying this 
type of thing, you know, not accepting the election results, supporting the kind of language that Trump uses that, of course, words, words matter. Words have consequences. And he basically just, I mean, he gave him the orders and man, did they follow him. And I want to call out Jody Heiss, David Schaefer, Marjorie Taylor Greene. There's a whole op-ed in the AJC about all of these people are traitors. They're terrible. Learn their names. I believe they should be removed from office. Look, I wish that were the case. I just I just don't understand how how anybody could have thought that was okay. Well, what's really interesting and and by the way, this is a we hadn't talked about this But there is an NPR podcast called No Compromises, and it's all about the extreme right wing, and which I listen to. And funnily enough, I'm listening to it, and Senator Jen's on it. (laughs) And I text her, I'm like, are you on this NPR podcast? She was like, I don't even know. (laughs) And she's like, is it a crazy gun people podcast? I'm like, yes. These people have been being radicalized for years. What happened at the Capitol is not new. No, I mean, the whole idea that anybody would be surprised that this happened exactly the way it happened in light of the language that Trump has used, in light of kind of things he's tweeted, social media, all of the above, right? It was totally predictable. And that's also why it was so crazy that it seemed that the Capitol Police was completely not ready for it. I know, I know. And you see the National Guard at the BLM protests and the gas, uh, the members of clergy, uh, the the church that was next to where Trump held up that Bible. That's just it. Like, peaceful protesters were tear-gassed at the direction of the President of the United States so he could go take a photo op. It's unbelievable. And then we couldn't even stop these people from basically invading and terrorizing the people's house and we have heard commercials over and over and over and speeches from both former senator purdue and former senator leffler telling us about radical 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 liberals everything's radical so what's radical now and my question about them is uh, is senator purdue going to be able to walk around sea island and get an attaboy now? Or is Senator Leffler going to be able to go have lunch down at La Belle Bouquet and Buckhead and sit on the patio? Or is she going to be, are people going to remember? You know, this is what's interesting. I think Purdue is just going to be able to walk into the sunset because that's what dudes are allowed to do, right? I think um, Senator Leffler, I think it's going to be a much more difficult situation for her re-entry, we'll say, because who she was as a business person and that kind of the narrative she put out or or what she projected in the business community is just so incredibly in conflict with the political image that she's created this last year that I'm not sure if she is going to be able just to kind of act like, hey, guys, I'm back. What's up? I'll tell you what, if I see her out and about somewhere, Are you going to say hi, Kelly? I absolutely am. You know what I would do? I would walk up to her in a very nice way and I would introduce myself. And I would say, do you have any empathy for the hurt that you caused? Was it worth it? 
And I would say it in that nice way, because when I started tweeting her in the beginning, it wasn't because I was trying to be, it wasn't like, you know, maybe it was a little bit of a stunt, but I genuinely wanted to understand her. And even if I couldn't agree with her on certain social issues, or political issues. Well, she was kind of a mystery, right? You couldn't yeah. find anything on her on the yeah. internet. Yeah. And so it was kind of like, who, who's, who is this woman? I yeah. mean, nobody really knew. And so the way it doubled down and tripled down and quadrupled down, and it was just pl- straight up a- anti-Semitic and racist. So to see her stand up there and suddenly act like she's a righteous woman with a barrette, I- I'm sorry. And the rest of them, all of them, Lindsey Graham, all of them who suddenly decide, oops, it's bad. I say, do not congratulate. I, I this It was a stain on America yesterday. Uh, well, we're recording this the day after. It's terrible. Look, I mean, we're going to have to kind of pick up and move forward. But what I'm interested in seeing is if what happened at the Capitol in terms of the riots, and, and also four people are dead. Yeah. Including a 34-year-old woman from Kennesaw, Georgia, who was basically trampled to death, crushed as the she's part of the protest. She was up there. But as the protesters are pushing their way into the Capitol, you know, pushing through the police, this young woman was was crushed to death. And that is horrific. It truly is. And we're going to learn more over the coming days. And yes, the police presence and, and the pure examples of, of, of racism and the, the police officers taking photos with these people. I heard some reports that some of the police did that in order to calm them down. I don't know. You know, we're going to learn a lot more. But some of these uh, protesters, or I call them now domestic terrorists, were at the Georgia State Capitol where you were this week. Did you see them? And what's that like? Yeah, so there was a group of them. You know, they looked, their group looked very much like the group that was up in D.C., the same flags. A lot of them were wearing um, assault rifles, you know, across their chest packing clearly i mean they wanted to make it very clear who they were a lot of them had like black gaiters and black hats and i mean they looked they almost looked like military and wearing camouflage and all that kind of stuff but they dispersed or seemed to disperse a little bit earlier before all everything happened in dc which was good But later I learned that actually a group of them went into the Capitol, led by Chester Doles, the KKK Kelly person, right? And he was trying to get to Raffensperger's office, and and they evacuated Raffensperger and his staff for their safety. Uh, It was interesting how I had seen a Justin Gray from Channel 2 say anybody who's surprised, um, because because he's covering news at the Capitol all the time, he's like, this is what I've been dealing with for a long time. So that's why I do take issue with the people who are suddenly saying, especially GOP people who are saying, this is not who we are. Because yes, it is. It is. Well, it's not who we are now that Trump has lost, right? Like, it, it's, look, there has been so much cowardice displayed. And this is kind of, we've been waiting for it. It's kind of like you hope it never happens. But it definitely wasn't a surprise. 
It isn't. So let's move on from this and get to our guest who will certainly lift us all up. Well, our guests, we are so honored to have today. Monica Pearson is is a voice you definitely know. Monica Kaufman Pearson is the first woman and the first minority anchor to anchor the daily evening news in Atlanta. You saw her on WSB for 37 years, and she has like a jillion awards. She's everybody's best friend. If I was going to name all her accomplishments, her degrees, and her famous friends, we would be here all day. So I'm just going to throw Throw it to the Queen of Atlanta. You know her, Monica Pearson. Thanks for joining the Vote Her podcast. Oh, you know, I'm happy to be with you, Mara, and also to work with Jen. Yeah, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. This is some crazy times we're in. Crazy is... uh that's that's a word I would go, hmm, that's not strong enough. (laughs) You know what? I completely agree. Monica, as someone who's covered news for so many years, where would you rank what happened at the Capitol building as far as like things you've covered as in level of severity? Um, in level of severity from one to 10, this is definitely a nine and three quarters. I could not believe what I watched. And then to see how reporters were attacked and news equipment damaged as if we for covering a story and covering both sides are to blame for whatever that person feels that we're to blame for. It's really scary. What is what I've discovered is that too many people live in a silo. Yes. They only watch news that supports their opinion and that they don't know the difference between news coverage and and the difference between news coverage and commentary. So they mix the two together. I'm finding that people will only look at things on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook that reinforces their viewpoint. They'll only read newspapers that reinforce their viewpoints. So no longer are we willing to compromise because it's either my way or the highway. And that is very frightening. I've lived through a presidential assassination. I've lived through the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I've lived through the attempted assassination of uh, Ronald Reagan. I have seen this ever increasing amount of hatred where people will do anything to enforce their viewpoint. I don't know what's happened to us as a people or as a country that we no longer can compromise. And that is very scary. We no longer listen to understand. We listen and wait for our turn to speak. And so yesterday I was almost in tears watching what was happening at the nation's capital. And then to find out that, you know, a woman was killed. Another woman from Georgia died. They say she was crushed to death in that melee. And then the two other people died from circumstances there. And it's all because they didn't believe that Biden won the race. I have not understood how people can say, well, the first part of the the ballot, you know, they cheated on that. But the rest of it's okay. You know, that's been the people's house. That's where we create laws. And then to see a mob, and then don't get me started 
Don't get me started on how if this has been a bunch of black people, there would have been blood all over the place. <laughs> so don't, don't don't take me down that path because then I'll go another. I'll go completely off. <laughs> Well, look, I don't think that anybody can dispute that. I mean, it's interesting because I think we've all known that black protesters are treated differently. But this was so clear when you're watching the video of how mostly white men were treated as they stormed the capital of the United States. I mean, it is nuts. Yes. It, and you know what also bothers me the day after? Now people are trying to say, well, this was Antifa. This was Antifa and they believe it. But then uh, I don't know if you've seen the one picture of the guy who's wearing the biking horns and, you know, his bodies. So he had been at a Black Lives Matter rally, but he was there not in support, but to cajole. And he actually was holding a sign uh, for QAnon. Well, the people on Parler and on other media cropped the picture so that you didn't see the QAnon sign and said, you see, he's with Antifa, Black Lives Matter. That kind of manipulation is sinful, harmful, hurtful, because this man was a Trump supporter. But now Trump supporters are removing the QAnon sign. So it appears that he is, quote, Antifa. This is crazy. I've never seen anything like it. Look, I think the biggest issue that we have is so Trump started from the beginning um, planting the seed that the media was out to get him and you couldn't trust him. And he kept saying it over and over and over. Um, So the media has been under attack really since he became president. So you have that. And now you have these purported news outlets like OAN or Newsmax that really all they are is about feeding propaganda To Trump supporters. And Trump supporters, unfortunately, don't look at other news because they don't trust it. That takes me back to my beginning comment. They live in a silo. So because the people around them look like them, talk like them, walk like them, believe like them, they never hear another point of view. And then when they finally do hear it, they don't believe it. How do you change that person's mind? It's like with COVID. It's amazing how many people who supported Trump wouldn't wear masks, didn't believe in COVID until someone in their family got sick and almost died from COVID. It's almost like it's a case of I have to be affected personally in order for me to see the light. And I think we saw that with Kelly Leffler. You know, yesterday I was very proud of her finally that she came to her senses and said, you know what? I'm not going to do what I said I was going to do yesterday. I'm not going to fight the fact that Joe Biden was elected president and that Georgia elected him president and our electors went to him. But it, it took this violence and it took her losing an election to see the light. But was it a little too late? I, I'd be curious. I, I would love to talk about the Senate races because... Uh. Here you have, and I'm sure, uh, do you know Reverend Warnock personally? I know him um, just from having attended his church and talked to him, but he's not a personal friend. But do you think for Kelly, for Senator Leffler, was it a little too late? I mean, she, you know, you're someone who attends 
the black church and black, you know, you, you've been a big part of that. And, and I just, the assault on, um, faith in those ads as a Jewish person, the, the, uh, I found it, it the anti-Semitic rhetoric just, I mean, like, I think anybody sh- w- would be offended by that. So was it a little too late? Does she get a pass? I mean, where does she go from here? Well, I actually uh, am a forgiving person and I think she lost and that's a big enough of a whooping. She spent a lot of her own money. Yeah, hundred million dollars is not chump change. No, it's not even for someone of her wealth. So I think she's already taking a beating and then she's got to live with this. She's got to live with this. And I hate to say it. My mother used to always say, make sure you do things that when you die, when they talk, write your obituary, it'll all be good. When she passes, every time she does anything, what she did, short time she was senator, will be brought up. Just think about that. Just think about that. For the rest of her life, she's going to be connected to Trump. She's going to be remembered for being disloyal to a governor who appointed her. And then she turned her back on him to support a president who was constantly berating him. And he did the right thing. Now, you know, Kemp is no saint, but the reality is he and Raffensperger did what they were supposed to do as elected officials. And she constantly fought them and supported the president. So she's got to live with that. So, you know, what I say is, yes, I forgive her, but I also know she's ruined any chances of political office again for the rest of her life. And she will always been, be known as a senator who literally flitted away her office by being on the wrong side of morality. This is a moral issue. Wow. So she's going she's gonna to pay. No, I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, that's what's so, you know, I mean, you were watching it. It was as it was playing out in public. Mara was, I was. And I was like, how can she take some of these positions? How can she say this? I mean, her Twitter feed is a hot mess. And because she was trying to get elected. And see, that's it. People recognize when you're doing things just to get elected. Right. She really felt that way. As I said, the woman I met years ago was not the woman who was running for office. She allowed her handlers to turn her into a different person. Tar- turn her into like Marjorie Taylor Greene's buddy. I mean, I know, which is even more shocking. But but and that's why she lost You know, if you don't have principles that you can stand on, then this is what happens to you. This is what happens to you. And and I I hate it when that happens specifically to a woman. You know, she shot herself in the foot by allowing other people to change who I believe uh, the person she really is. Do you want to be in office that badly that you would literally turn your back and attack a minister? Come on. To use sound bites that you've cut and fit? Come on. So it's payback. It's payback. I mean, she did sit in that church in the front row about yeah, a year did. ago. Yeah, and, she did. And she did. So what are your thoughts on the Purdue Ossoff race? That was, I did, you know, I called Leffler losing. 
uh, from the beginning. I, I, I have never had any doubt about that. I was nervous about uh, Purdue because Purdue, uh, particularly in the um, when you get out of the urban areas and get into the rural areas, he's really appreciated and liked for so much of what he's done in terms of working with farmers, both black and white. He's really done a lot for the state of Georgia. But I think, one, not debating. Ossoff heard him. It looks like he was running away. Uh, I also think his ads were mean uh, when they didn't have to be. Had he been more of a, and I hate to use the word this way, but I will. Had he been more of a statesman and really talked about what he's done versus attacking, I think he he could have eaten through and and literally it would have been eking through but i also think that john ossoff um, ran a really good campaign but it was interesting by the way with leffler and i wanted to mention this they had a, a one african-american woman in a commercial for her and she kept calling her loffler i know loffler. i noticed the same thing i was like at least get somebody who knows how to pronounce your name right Yes, but that showed me that they just brought somebody in because she was a black <laughs> female who was a Republican versus getting someone who really supported Kelly. Or was she an she actress? Really supported her or knew her, she would have said Leffler and not Loeffler. Right, right. It's it's the little things, right? That that are it are, is. are huge and I think tells. People notice. I think people notice the little things. I got something today that I think you will love that Stacey Abrams actually posted today. But here's what I love what Stacey wrote today. While today's terrible display of terror and meanness shakes us, let's remember at Ossoff, Jewish son of an immigrant, and at Reverend Warnock, first black senator from Georgia, will join a Catholic POTUS and the first woman black and Indian VP in our nation's capital. God bless America. I tell you what, that just sent chills down yeah. my spine. I mean, it, it, it's it's so incredible to think that we're at this point. And we've got to kind of celebrate that. I mean, as awful as yesterday was, I mean, wow, we have got so much to look forward to. Well, Jen, when you talk about how bad yesterday was, also remember that took away the joy of a John Ossoff win. You know, nobody, nobody talked about that until late in the night. And for obvious reasons, I understand. But when you have two Democrats win in the state of Georgia, plus the state of Georgia also picked a Democratic president, that's big news. And it shows you that the state is changing. Now, I'm going to admit to you, this is the first time I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of, and that's why I love not being in news anymore. I'm really thinking I might have to go down to the Capitol and, and lobby and knock on some doors because this business about uh, changing the absentee ballot qualifications has my panties in a wad. I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> Listen, mine have been in a wad for a long time, so it's okay. It's a little uncomfortable, but you're down you know. there with them. Yeah, yeah. Well, what was interesting about that, though, Monica, is that the Speaker of the House, the Republican Speaker of the House, Ralston, came out today and basically said that he really wasn't interested in doing that, and and that it shouldn't surprise people because Ralston is actually 
smart guy and very strategic politically. Mm -hmm. He's been around a long time. And he also remembers that prior to this year, this single year, that Republicans are the ones that have been able to take advantage of the no excuse absentee ballots. And that's how they've been able to dominate Democrats in the past. Yes. And he's smart enough. But guess what? You've got some other people down there, Jen, who, you know, are not smart enough to see that because they don't know the history. And I think that's what irritates me so much. Oftentimes people make decisions about who they want to vote for without knowing the history of the state or the person who's running for office. It's like um, the same madness with the runoffs. Why can't we just the person who gets the most votes wins? I mean, we're one of very few states who still have runoffs. Everybody else says you get the most votes, you win. And that I can remember, I think when I first moved here, the you had to get a 45% plus one. Then it went to 50% plus one. Why can't it just be whoever got the most votes won? <laughs> now, I don't think that's ever going to change in the Georgia General Assembly. What do you think, Jen? No, I don't think so. I mean, look, that was used as a way to really kind of foreclose candidates of color. And, you know, it's been used as a political weapon, really. Um, And Mm -hmm. so I don't think Republicans are going to back off on that because at the end of the day, they think it benefits them. Well, not this time. Right. (laughs) Not Not this this time. time. I mean, you know, because you think about that, David Perdue would be senator if that were the case. Um, He won by a a hefty margin in, in the general. Um, so in this case, it, it went our way. Uh, Monica, would you ever consider going into politics? Ooh, no, that I would have be... too many skeletons in my closet. <laughs> Monica, you, have you been down to the Capitol and seen those boys? There's a lot of skeletons down there. Let me be clear. There are a lot of, a lot of skeletons, but Jen, you've got to remember when it's a woman yes. or a person of color, all of a sudden, everybody comes out with something that that needs to be told. So I've been married before and I know I have a, a couple of exes who would love to come out and say something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think everybody is so thankful for your continued activism and yes. your continued service. You do so much for the community and uh, you're still on the radio and still, uh, you know, making your voice heard and, and so beloved by, by everybody. And, and we really thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Oh, it's my pleasure to talk to both of you. And I love the fact that you two are talking about issues that directly affect in many instances women. And I think we forget during this time Let's be honest, it was women who really pushed, really pushed the voter registration, get out the vote. Be honest. It's like in the black church. If you want anything done, get a woman involved. And the women usually do stay involved. So I appreciate what you two are doing because you're shedding lights where some people just have been afraid to look. Y'all getting into them corners. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was so much fun. Monica Pearson, freaking legend. Man, she's a stitch. I think she's going to be knocking on your door, Jen. I hope so, because, man, we need all the help we can get down there. So now you're going to be going to the State House when? When this drops on Monday, 
which it'll be as you listen to this, um, we will be starting the legislative session in the state of Georgia. So uh, talk about going from the uh, frying pan into the fire. Is that weird for you, knowing you've been wearing sweatpants every day and (laughs) eating Chick-fil-A at your desk? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I will say I'm having a hard time. Um, the re-entry of even just interacting with people socially when you've been in your house for a year is a little weird. And also there's something, um, there's a little bit of anxiety associated with it because, you know, we came out of the session in March when all hell broke loose, right? We had to end it. We had members getting sick. And that's when the public health state of emergency was entered. I mean, it was it was a tough time. To, so to kind of go back there after everything we've been through is, is, you know, it's a little tough. So I read you're going to be getting tested twice a week. Yeah, we're working with Georgia Tech, exactly how Georgia Tech does their students. We're doing staff and legislators, which I'm happy because we didn't really seem we being republicans didn't really seem to take it that seriously when we've been in session before they are definitely taking it seriously now so your session goes on from when to when so this is what's interesting and so and that's kind of what our next step is right which is to to kind of talk about georgia and kind of how georgia politics works in the sense of at the state level we've been so focused on the presidential election and the U.S. Senate races that we haven't really talked about and and gotten down to the nitty gritty in terms of how does the state work, you know, because it's a really particular thing. We have 40 days per the Constitution that we're supposed to be in session, um, but those don't run consecutively. And so we can be in one day, one week and another day, another week. And so but we have to, you know, we have these 40 days within which Um, We have to work. But according to the Constitution, we have to gavel in on the second Monday of January, period. Is there a mask requirement inside the building? So according to what I've heard, right, in the chambers, the legislators have to wear a mask. I don't think there is going to be a mask requirement for the general public into the building. I haven't seen anything, but, you know, we'll see. I will say that there has even been a change. Um, Capitol Police, uh, Georgia State Patrol folks that were up there previously, they weren't wearing masks. There's been a change with respect to that. So all the police um, are masked up. And it's amazing because it really is kind of this social thing, too, is that if everybody else has on a mask, I mean, there is the pressure to to just suck it up and do it. And what's that going to be like for some of these representatives there who have objected to the results of of our president elect in the state house how do you think they're going to be received i'm not sure i'll tell you that i don't know there's a big question mark and especially after the riding of the u.s capitol i would hope that maybe some of them had had a change of heart a little bit like kelly leffler But we'll see. Look, we have some folks who are pretty ambitious and they may see an opportunity to primary um, Governor Kemp, primary Secretary of State Raffensperger, and they want the Trump supporters and Team Trump on their side. So we'll see kind of if they choose 
um, the people of Georgia or if if they choose uh, Donald Trump. And what are some of your goals? Like, what will you be working on personally? What are we going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks? So what's hard about being in the minority party is that you don't control the agenda. I mean, that was one of the first things that struck me when I started, that I can have all these great ideas and want to do all this amazing stuff, but it really is the Republicans driving the car. And there's a lot of defense played. It's kind of like HB 481, the abortion bill. I never thought I would be dealing with abortion being a state senator. But you know what? That's what they wanted to do. And and so sometimes, again, you don't pick the fight. The fight picks you. Do you think they're going to go there with religious freedom? I mean, that. No. Okay. Okay. Because that always really, really worries me. No, the business community is so against that. Okay. That there is a lot of pressure brought on Republicans. And so a lot of the time, you know, they've been able to kind of, you know, push it off because okay. of that. Okay. Well, I think over the next couple of weeks, I think there's a lot of good issues that we can talk about. So I'm excited to kind of get a bird's eye view into what's going on. What's another thing that's interesting is you mentioned this when we were talking earlier about the fencing being put around the Capitol building, and that was put up after the Black Lives Matter protests. Yeah, so what's crazy is, and I really hope everybody would come to the Georgia Capitol. It's really a beautiful, beautiful building. But what what made it really so beautiful are the grounds are kind of wide open, beautifully manicured and taken care of, and it's just a really nice Capitol area. But after all the protests that happened after the police shootings and and everything in Ahmaud Arbery and and kind of the fallout from that, the governor just decided that he was going to spend a few million to put up a steel fence around the Capitol grounds. And so that's what is going up now. But the intent was to really, you know, it had to do really with Black Lives Matter protesters, but the people that it's keeping out now are, are really the proud boys and the pro-Trump supporters. It's pretty unbelievable. Well, I look forward to hearing about everything Senator Jen is going to be working on. And we're going to continue this podcast because she's agreed to keep talking to me. Yeah. And look, I, what, what I really want, and I think what we've all seen from everything that's kind of happened, is that people don't know a lot about their government. They don't know how it works. They don't know how to make it work. And so I hope that maybe in the next few weeks, we can kind of reveal some of the things or the inner workings of, of how the General Assembly kind of kind of works. Because I think if you knew, you'd probably be up there a little bit more. And I think that's important for us to keep discussing because we can, as listeners are of to you, learn what we can do to make change, especially as women. Well, and and look, one of the, the biggest things that Republicans use because they are in charge, they're able, we saw it with Mitch McConnell, right? They control the procedural levers of everything. And so sometimes there will be like HB 481, for example, they'll call a committee hearing like at eight o'clock at night, and then they're going to bring it to floor the next day. So a lot of times that's why people really do need to be engaged during the legislative session, because, you know, when the, when the 
all hands on deck call goes out because there's shady stuff happening. You know, we really do need people to come up and 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 have their voices heard. Do we think there's going to be something super controversial that comes around? I think the voting stuff. Okay. Um, I, I definitely know in the state Senate that there is a huge contingency of Republicans who are bound and damn determined to make it harder for people to vote. And I think we saw that based on some of the antics that happened with the Giuliani hearings here. So, you know, kind of keep your eye on that. Well, you were counting votes, you and a a senator parent. Yeah, in (laughs) Pennsylvania. It's the most ridiculous thing. I mean, oh, I finally got PolitiFact. They called it false. Thank you very much. I know, I because I have a Google alert set for you. And and it's funny because it said a spokesperson for you. And I was like, who's that? I think it was just my admin. I mean, you know. Um, well, thanks for all your knowledge. And listen, it's we're on to 2021. And the next time we talk, uh, Jen's going to give us updated on everything that's happening under the Gold Dome. Yeah. And you know what, Mira? I think that the only reason we won those U.S. Senate seats is because of this podcast. I mean, there's no there doubt about it. There has to be, it's right? The vote in her podcast. <laughs> I mean... As of now, we have listeners in um, Austria. We have listeners. Um, there was another country, I because I, I, I could look at the metrics, and I see we have listeners from all over the world. It was South Africa. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, whoa, whoever you are, uh, send us an email to voteherpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks to Christina Loringer for producing Terminus Records for our music. And to all of you for listening, please tweet us at Senator Jen at Mara Davis. Always reach out to us. We love, love, love feedback. And we appreciate you so much for listening. Let's keep Georgia blue. And Senator Jen is going to keep all those Republicans in check. Yeah.